morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. It is a little scary to be up here, I have to tell you, especially when you follow what I believe is the greatest preacher in the world that I get to hear every week, our pastor. And so I love hearing him. So it's just a tad scary to get up here, but I really did have to say, Lord, I'm doing this because you said and my hubby said, therefore it's y'all's problem. And so, uh, but we are going to be, we are going to have a little fun this morning. Um, it was funny. Somebody, Sean just said, it sounds more like a TED talk than a sermon, which is a little bit more my style. So uh, where I grew up, they didn't necessarily give women mics down in the deep south. So anybody down from down there knows. So it's been a lot of fun that I got to Dallas and we got set free. We found out that that was okay. So excited to be here. We are going to start a lot of fun the next few weeks. You know, it's funny. People don't think the word fun and church can go together. People tend to separate fun with what happens when you're not in church and not with your church friends. But you know what? That's the lie from the enemy. The Lord instituted fun. The Lord wanted life to be fun. So I want you to say with me, God is good good. and life is good. Do it again. God is good, good. and life is good. And And I just have to encourage you, if there was any part of your heart that said, well, but really, no, it's not, that's okay. By the end of this message and by the end of this series, you're going to be able to say with all of your heart, God is good and life is good. And, and it reminded me of one of my favorite stories in the whole entire world. You know, they took two little boys, a little optimist boy and a little pessimist boy, and they decided that they would do an experiment on them. It was toy testing time anyway, and time to see if all of the new toys that were going to come out for Christmas were really all that people anticipated them to be. So they took the little pessimist boy, and they put him in a room with every toy that was coming out at Christmas, all the new fangled Xboxes and all those things like that, and they left him there for about an hour. They took the little optimistic boy, and they put him in the room with a big pile of horse manure. If you don't know what manure is, it stinks really bad, and it comes out of the other side of a horse, not the part where the food goes in. So we'll call it poo. And they put this little boy in a room and left him there for an hour. They checked back on him, and the little pessimistic boy was sitting in the middle of the floor with his arms folded, not even touching any toy. And they said, what's wrong? And he said, well, I wasn't sure how to play. I didn't really like that one. I didn't know if that one was going to be all it cracked up to be, and that one didn't look very great. So I just sat here. And they said, well, that's really sad. So as they went to the door with the little optimistic boy, before they could even get the door open, they noticed there was poo dripping off the door and off the windows and off the ceiling and everywhere. And there in the middle of it, covered from head to toe, was this little boy. And they said, what are you doing? And he said, with all this poo, there's got to be a pony here somewhere. Favorite story of my life, because you know what? There's sometimes that life gets really stinky, and we got to look for the pony. Amen? we got to find it. It's there somewhere. We just have to look for it. And that's part of what we're talking about today. We are going to have fun. Jesus was fun. The Lord instituted fun. He instituted seven feasts throughout the year to to remember what God had done and to celebrate what God was going to do. And by feasts, I don't mean in some way that you think that maybe Jewish culture was that doesn't fit with our world today. I'm talking about food, family, friends, laughter, remembering music, all of those wonderful things. That's fun. And that came straight from our creator. 
The first of those was Passover, which sounds very ominous, but it was a time to remember that, uh, that when there was a plague hitting Egypt, that the Israelites were spared, yeah. that we have the opportunity for our lives to be spared, both Thank in this Jesus. world and in the world to come, through salvation. That's a great thing. That's an exciting thing. Yeah. And sometimes we can get so bogged down in our world, we can get so overwhelmed with the problems that we forget to have fun. I know it's tough, especially for those of us when we have so much responsibility, things are weighing on us, we have to remember to have fun. But we live in a society that has forgotten how to enjoy life, how to have fun right where they are. Here's some stats that you might find interesting. 91% of women in the U.S. do not like or are unsatisfied with their figure and their bodies. 91% of the U.S. In the U.K. last year, they, um, they interviewed millennials, which is 18 to 34, you know, that really fun, exciting part of your life. 66% of them hated their job and wow. wanted a complete career change if they could in the next two years. Wow. When that went on an international level, up to 87% don't like their job. Where you spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week dissatisfied, unhappy, can't stand where you are. 30% of married women, according to Huffington Post, would leave their marriage and want to quit if they were given the chance. Unhappy, not the way that God intended for us to be. And then people in their 30s, if you're past your 30s, remember how exciting that was? Remember if you could go like, man, I wish I could have what I had in the 30s, right? We think about that. But people in, the th in their 30s in our generation are more stressed out than any other age. They're more overwhelmed. They're more, um, they experience more stress than any other age demographic because of the society that we live in. They don't necessarily have the kind of fun that God laid out and intended for us to have. And that's why as Christians, it's so important that we understand that God instituted fun. But we get caught up. We get caught up in whatever in our world is not exactly the way we want it. Like, I would go and do that, but, you know, I always thought I would do that married, and I'm single, so I just, I guess I won't go do it. You know, I wanted to take the kids down camping into the lake, but I don't really like the way I look in a bathing suit, so I don't think we're going to go this time. You know, we really should get together and see Grandma, but then we'd have that aunt to deal with, and so let's not do that. Or, or maybe I really wanted that promotion, but I'd have to share an office with that person I can't stand. And so I'd rather stay where I'm at than, than have something less than perfect in where I'm going. That's pretty, you know, or maybe you say, I'd love to get together with old friends, but I would have, they, then we'd have to talk about the fact that we lost our last house and that we had to downsize and, and that'll be embarrassing. So I'd just rather not see them. I'd just rather not, you know, sometimes I think we're a little too focused on our butts. Maybe not. Maybe that's not a good thing, right? My husband said we should have titled the sermon that, but I just didn't think that was a podcast. Yeah, he, he would have done it. He could have done it. So, but as Christians, we get so caught up and focused on, on, or just as people in general, on what's not exactly the way we wanted it to be, that we then don't want to have fun. We don't want to enjoy things. You know, the way Jesus put it, fun wasn't even an option. He didn't even say it was a good idea. He said it was the greatest idea. He said this. Look at Matthew 18, verse 1. He, who is the greatest in the kingdom? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Not only is it important to, to have fun, but to see the world like a child. There's something so exciting. Children see the world with excitement. And as adults, we see all the negatives to things. You know, I, t- I took my daughter to a play, and, and I noticed, oh, look, the stagehand. I just saw a stagehand. Or, oh, maybe that wasn't exactly right or something like that. She didn't see any of it. She sat with her jaw down, just jaw dropped in wonder through every scene. Children live with wonder. They live with an excitement of life that we forget when we become adults. We forget to have fun. Found the cutest video that I thought summed it up. Give you a little background. There was a Mother's Day event at someone's house, and a little boy said, well, I want a gift. So they decided to play a joke on him. They actually thought that they would play a joke and give him a gift, and let's see what happened. Stay, stay still, okay? Okay, this is for you, okay? Okay. <laughs> open it, open it, So now when you go to Sprouts, you have to say, banana, every time in the checkout aisle. They won't know what you're talking about. You know, the childlike wonder of a child that just says, a banana. I loved that. I think we watched it like 10 times yesterday. It cracked me up. But that we're missing out on the fun that life and the Lord have to offer us if we just won't enjoy it, just won't get over ourselves, so to speak. And enjoy life. But why don't we do that? I have three reasons, I think, that we forget to enjoy life and forget to have fun. Number one is simply this. It's pride. It's pride. Pride is so difficult for us to see in ourselves, so easy to see in other people, and yet so detrimental and so damaging, even deadly to our own hearts. Even to the point that in Proverbs 16, 5, it says, The Lord detests a proud heart. Detests. I don't want to have anything in me that the Lord detests. That's a pretty strong word. But pride is such a terrible, terrible thing. And we're so quick to see it in somebody else. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right, Jamie. I can tell you exactly who has pride. You know what? Let's see where pride is in our own hearts. Pride is something that shows up in so many different ways. It may show up in the, in the place of, you know, I got myself here and I'll get myself down the road. I'm going to be successful because I've done it not because the Lord has done it. And then when you hit hard times and things aren't the way that you thought it would be, then inside your heart you become angry because it's pride that thought you got you there in the first place. Or maybe you're like, no, I'm not one of those ambitious pride people, but maybe you're withholding fun and enjoyment in your life because everything's not exactly the way you want it to be. Maybe you're saying, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I'll stay in this marriage, but I'm not going to be happy in it. I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to have fun. Because I'm going to show you, Lord, I'll stay, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Well, you know, that's silly. 
Not enjoying our Christianity is like eating a Dunkin' Donut and not enjoying it. Why would you not? Dunkin' Donuts, I love Bavarian cream powder donut. Oh my goodness. It's so wonderful. Why would you not enjoy it? You're getting calories. Hello. Enjoy it. We're in life to have fun. Lord instituted fun. You know, but pride gets in our way. Pride makes us sit like this with arms folded and say, I'm not going to enjoy it. Not that if your arms are folded, you have pride. I'm not saying that. Everybody's like, I didn't mean to fold my arms. <laughs> but we sit in our hearts and we fold our arms in our hearts. And we say, I'm not going to like my life because everything's not the way I thought it should be. If everything's not perfect, then I'm going to stand here and I'm going to prove to you, Lord, that you haven't done enough and you haven't done what you said. And so, you know, it's funny as a kid, I can tell the story. My parents aren't here. They'll be here in third service. So I don't even think they remember this. But I was so proud as a child. I was so determined to show my parents what they had done. So when I was in eighth grade, my parents bought a couch. And as an eighth grader, I felt like only child, right? I felt like they should have asked me if this was a good couch or not, if I liked it. And they didn't. They bought a couch without asking me who does that. So I told them, I said, if you buy another couch, you need to ask me if I like it or not. To which, about a year later, they bought another couch for a, for a different room, and they didn't ask me again. And this one was ugly. And so, so I showed them for three years I didn't sit on that couch. I sat on the floor in front of the couch because I was going to prove to them that they needed to learn their lesson. Do you know, I don't even think they remember that. Like, I I'm, I'm promise you, at third service, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? We have no clue what you're talking about. But boy, every time I sat on that couch, I was so proud of myself that I was showing them. I'm going to teach them to buy a couch without asking me, right? It's so silly. Isn't that silly? But that's what pride does. Pride withholds fun in somehow an attempt to stick it to somebody else so that they have to pay. But guess what's wrong? We're not enjoying life. Life is no fun. And, and you're going to have the greatest moments and not enjoy them. How terrible is that? We need to enjoy life. Solomon had everything he could have ever wanted. He, he was given any opportunity. He had all the wealth. He got to build the temple. He had everything. But this is what he said about it in Ecclesiastes. Excuse me, Ecclesiastes 5.19. He said, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil. This is a gift from God. He had journeyed that. He had gone from being in a spot where a queen had traveled just to come tell him how great he was, where he knew that his wisdom could solve any problem, but he realized that it was all meaningless, that it all was a gift from God, and it was to be enjoyed and to have fun, because if we think it's in ourselves, then we've missed the boat, we've missed the point, and pride will keep us so blinded Pride will, will, will say that when we look at God's great creation, we'll say, eh, but we'll spend all this time focused on ourselves and our own problems and our own glory. That's pride. We have to say, Lord, humble us. Take that pride out. Lord, I know I'm not in the season I thought I would be. Yes, I thought I would be married at this point. Yes, I thought I would be at this financial level at this point. But you know what? You got it under control, Lord. I'm going to enjoy right where I am. Uh, when we were when we were first married, our grocery budget was a hundred dollars a month. I have teenagers at home now. That's a trip to the grocery store. One trip to the grocery store, a hundred dollars a month. We had so much fun. We didn't know we didn't have money. It was a blast. The local, the our church had a food bank, and so they would give us a box of groceries 
every month to help us out. But the thing was, is, um, is that we didn't, all the labels had come off, the cans. So we didn't know what we were having for dinner. That feels really hot, huh? The, the mic feels different. Um, so, so we'd get a can, and we didn't know if it was green beans or peaches. You just had to guess. So it was either going to be your veggie or your dessert. You didn't know. You'd crank it up. You're like, oh, man, all right, we'll put that in the fridge. We'll eat that one tomorrow. Or if we got mac and cheese down in the deep south, there was probably bugs in the box because that's how it made it all the way to the food bank. So you learned how to dump them in the water and, like, scoop the weevils off the top before you cook them. So, and if a few got cooked, it was just protein. No big deal, right? So... Can you see why the mission field felt better than Baker, Louisiana at times? But, uh, but you know what? We didn't know. We were so happy to be married. We were so thrilled. We didn't care. We didn't care that we lived in some attic of the church that they had converted into an apartment where the air conditioner didn't work. We were just so excited to just have fun. We were, we were doing what the Lord wanted us to do. We were having a blast. But as we get older, yeah, no, that doesn't work. We have to have everything exactly where we want it or we're not going to enjoy it, not going to have fun. We're missing out. The pride in our hearts is keeping us from missing out on the fun of the Lord. The second thing that keeps us from, from, from enjoying the Lord and having fun is bitterness. Bitterness is a sad, sad thing because it comes from a place of a legitimate pain and usually somewhat legitimately being done wrong. But then we hold on to it. And when you hold on to something dead, the dead thing's already dead, but you're the one that begins to decay. Amen? You're the one that begins to continue to die because you're holding on to that thing. Yes, it was a bad and a wrong thing, but it's only going to take you further down. You know, we see um, in, in both First and Second Samuel, David's wife, Michael. So Michael was Saul's daughter. And after David killed Goliath, she was given to, to David by Saul as, um, as his wife. Well, hon, she just hit the jackpot because that meant out of all of her sisters, she was going to be queen. She figured this out. This guy, David, not only is he good looking, but he's going somewhere. And so we, she had life planned out. It was about to be fun. And then David gets sent into exile because her dad tries to kill him, and he has to run away. Well, now she's not, well, there goes newlywed. He's running, living in caves somewhere. And so she then gets given to another man by her husband, by her dad, and has a whole new life and to deal with. And if that doesn't make matters worse, then she has to go back to David. So life did not turn out the way that Michael thought it would. And the way we see this coming out in Michael's life is in 2 Samuel chapter 6. This is when David brings the ark back into Jerusalem. You've heard the story where they have the big party, where they take a few steps and they stop and they slay a cow and a bull and they just party for however long it took to move the ark of the covenant back into Jerusalem. But Michael's not there. She's not a part of what's going on. She's up in her room looking out a window, and she sees her husband having the time of his life. He's dancing. He's partying. Everybody's having a blast. But she's so bitter. It says she becomes angry. It says she despises him in her heart because she was so holding on to the bitterness that she couldn't let it go. And she then, it says from that point on, basically, that she never had children. An implication in the Old Testament that there was not really a marriage to speak of after that. Because she held on to the past. And the past was going to eventually be what brought her down. There was no fun in Michael's life at that point because of the bitterness in her heart. That's why the Apostle Paul says, get rid of bitterness. We have to ask the Lord to pull out that root of bitterness. Have you ever tried to get crabgrass out of a flower bed? It is not easy, that 
crazy stuff, it won't come out. But we, you have to dig it out, and you have to say, Lord, get that bitterness out of my heart. I don't want to be bitter. I, I, I Take it, Lord. Take it from me and help me get better every single day so that I can have fun in my life. The third thing that I believe keeps us from having fun is what we call now comparison. The Old Testament used another word that sounds a little more intense, and that's covetousness. So much so that it, was one, it is a Ten Commandment, thou shalt not covet. Exodus twenty seventeen. you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, or his ox, or his donkey. Now, if you've been coveting their donkey, I'm a little worried about you lately. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We have a society that allows us to see more than ever, not just what our neighbor has. Maybe you're like, no, I'm good. I don't want my neighbor's house. I promise. But, but you can see what everyone in your circles of influence in your world have. And so if you're not careful, you can want what they have. And you can, um, and you can want a, either the season of life that they have, either the lifestyle that they have, the relationships they have. If we're not careful, we can covet what they, what we, what they have, which takes the fun out of our own world. We can no longer have fun if we're too busy wishing we had someone else's life. And listen, trust me, I am not about to bash social media. I love Facebook. I got elected because of Facebook. It is a wonderful tool. It's a wonderful way to reconnect. Um, I'm finding those cousins that I didn't want them to find me, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and so I'm kidding. If you're my cousin, I'm kidding. Um, but, but it's a time to connect, and it's a beautiful opportunity to find people and see people. But if we're not careful, we will feel more connected with people that are not in our worlds, and maybe God didn't intend to be in our worlds right now, than the people that are right in our circles. Literally, studies show that when we detach from our social network, that we become more connected with our, with our local network and our personal network. And so what we're, if we're not careful, when we find a dissatisfaction in our own world, in our marriages, in our relationships, or in our own selves, we can detach from the world immediately around us and actually find what we needed in the other worlds that we see around us. That's not necessarily the way God intended it. The Lord wants us to have fun right where we are, right in our season, good, bad, ugly, whatever size, whatever season. The Lord intends for us to enjoy it right here and right now. That's not easy. I'm not saying that that happens just happy-go-lucky and it's not work. Fun is work sometimes. We have to say, Lord, I want to enjoy this exact season because I may not have it again. I may not see it again. You know, just because you have more doesn't mean you're happier. Studies show that couples that have less than 50,000 actually argue less than couples that have more than 200,000. So there's actually a benefit. As they study the economy, and as the economy gets better, people's happiness actually goes down. Isn't that crazy? You would think there's no way. Look, give me a lot of money and I'll prove you wrong right? But that's not the way it goes. We find the happiness and the satisfaction sometimes when we're actually looking for it. Okay, I just had to tell you this nerd moment, but did you know the chocolate chip cookie was invented in a time because the lady didn't have the right kind of chocolate? The lady who invented Miss Tollhouse or whatever her name was went to make cookies, didn't have what she wanted and what she needed, but what was available was the wrong kind of chocolate. So she broke it up put it in the cookie, and now we have chocolate chip cookies. And if you come to the preview, we have chocolate chip cookies at 5 o'clock, just saying. But, but 
Sometimes the greatest things in your life happen when things are not going the way you planned. It's when you stumble upon it because it's when you look for it. And so instead of us spending so much time looking for what we don't have in our lives, let's look around right where we are and let's have fun right here and right now in our own worlds. You know, it I just irks me to no end when I sit down on an airplane and I open a magazine and it says, the nation's 10 best doctors. Okay, no, they're not. They're 10 men that paid to be a part of an advertisement of the nation's best doctors. Okay, no, they're not. Do you know who the best doctor is? Your doctor. Because he cares about you and he knows she, she, he or she, and they know what you're going through and they're concerned about you. Those men are not concerned about you. They want your money. So, or, or people say, oh, the best schools. Oh, we have to change districts. We have to move because the best schools are over here. No, the best schools are where your kids are because you're going to make it the best school because you're going to get involved, you're going to have fun, and you're going to make sure it's the greatest place. The person you're married to is the best spouse in the world. I promise you, you don't need to find another one, right? They're the best. And we can have fun in our seasons, in our own skin, in our own world, but we have to make a decision and a choice to have fun. I have to tell you, this was not necessarily easy. It's not easy for me. I'm a fixer, so I immediately focus on what's wrong in my world, not what's right. Because in my mind, if I can fix what's wrong, then what's right will take care of itself. So, but the problem is, is we become fixated on the bad. We become fixated on what needs, what's broken. And we've missed the 99% of our world that's absolutely incredible. The other day, I was just frustrated about someone. And the Lord said, I'm not going to talk to you about this till you tell me 99 people that you're, you just think are amazing. I was like, okay, here we go. Guess what? I forgot about it. I totally forgot because I began to shift my focus to the wonderful, wonderful world that the Lord lays out in front of all of us. I found myself getting to be in wonderful places and meeting wonderful people and staying in great places and still not having fun. Because fun comes from the inside when we recognize what the Lord has done in our lives and that he gives us breath every day and he gives us opportunity to make lemonade with lemons and whatever we have that comes our way. And so it's a challenge to us. It's why we do cough days of summer because, no, we don't celebrate feasts the way that the Lord told the Jewish people to, but we remember to celebrate each other. We remember to have fun with people, not because everything's perfect, not because it's convenient, not because you like every single person in your small group, That's irrelevant. If we wait for everything to be perfect, we'll be waiting forever. It doesn't happen. You know, maybe the point of having childlike faith is so that we get to heaven and we have the same wonder of a child. If we learn and practice this this criticism, this eh, maybe, is that how we're going to enter heaven? Oh, hey, Lord, about time you got me here. Eh, it's not really what I thought it would be. I heard heaven was going to be better than this. Let's not. Right here on earth, Let's see the wonder and the fun that the Lord has planned for us. And that's why we do cough days of summer. It's why we do small groups. It's why we do crazy stuff like pink pig barbecue. It's so that we can have fun and we can enjoy the things that God has for us. But it starts with inside making a choice to say, Lord, I'm going to lay down my pride. I'm going to lay down my plans. I'm going to lay down what I think perfection looks like and where I should have been by now, and that I'm not there. And I'm just going to say thank you, Father, for each and every moment. I had to laugh this morning 
getting ready for this. It's like I said, it's kind of scary and pretty nervous. And as y'all know, you've heard we have cats. So sure enough, the cat picks this morning to like wreak havoc, you know, and across the house. And I'm cleaning up thinking, I bet nobody else that has to preach this morning had to clean up after cats before they did that. But you know what? I was like, how fun is this? I'm going to have fun. I'm going to practice what I'm about to preach. And I'm going to enjoy the morning. So if you've got young kids, I understand getting to service by itself is a task. Make it a fun one. Make it something that we enjoy doing. And we'll find the joys of life in every little bitty thing we do. Amen? Say, God is good, so life is good. Again, God is good, so life is good. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you so much for this beautiful congregation. Lord, I was getting ready this morning overwhelmed with gratefulness to the people that we get to do life with, overwhelmed with gratefulness that we get to worship you in this beautiful facility, Father. Lord, thank you for every breath. Lord, thank you for the relationships in our lives. And Lord, may we not focus on the one, on the problem, and miss, Father, the beauty, Lord Jesus, of your plan, of your ways, Father, and of all the things that you have in store for us, Father. Lord Jesus, we just take a moment. Father, we open our hearts. Father, we take these places where we've had pride in our lives, and we say, Lord, let it be not with us. Father, we lay down what we thought was going to be happening at this season of our lives, what we thought we would look like in this season of our lives, where we thought our social status or our our financial status would be. Father, we're, we're just honored to get to be here, Lord. We're honored to get to love you, Father. Father, teach us to have fun, Lord, in each and every moment and each and every way, Father. In Jesus' name. Father, for anybody that's dealing with bitterness, Lord, it's something that we feel like we can't fix on our own, Lord, or otherwise we would have done it. So, Lord, we need your hand to reach down and to pull that root out, Father, to remove that root and then replace it, Lord. Replace it with trust in you. Lord, trust that you've got it under control. Trust that you protect us, Father, that you can keep us from being hurt again, Lord. We ask that you would replace that. And then, Lord, teach us a commitment, a contentment, excuse me, Father, in everywhere we are, right here, in this moment, in this season, With these relationships, Father, teach us a contentment, Father. We ask, Lord. Would you just keep your head bowed and your eye closed if today you're in this place and you're away from God? Fourth of July weekend. And the truth of the matter is, is that you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you used to serve God, but sin has permeated your life again. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been a Christian, but since I've been hanging out with you guys, I see that this is real. There is a God who created me and he wants a relationship with me and I'm, I'm ready. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to lead you back to the Lord. Whether you've walked away from him and you want to come home or whether you've never known him. You say, well, what, what do I have to do? Well, the Bible's real clear about it. He did it all. God wanted to have a relationship with us so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And by dying on a cross, Jesus basically, he became the bridge between us and God. The chasm, the the great space between us and God was our sin. And God couldn't interact with us because of our sin. Oh, but Jesus died on a cross and literally became a bridge right through the middle of our sin all the way to God. And the word's real clear. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. If we'll make Him our Lord and Savior, He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness and we'll belong to Him forever and ever. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you recognize that this is the state that you're in, you're away from God or you've never been a Christian, would you let me pray with you? Would you make Jesus your Lord today? Would you come out of that place of sin and guilt and come to the Lord? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to humiliate you. But I want to pray with you. And I want to lead you to the Lord. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you have the courage to admit that and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. It's time. I'm ready to serve God. I'm ready to, I'm ready to come out of this life that I've been living. And I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. With no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, would you just quickly lift your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you, sweet love. Anybody else? Thank you. God bless you. You can put it back down. Thank you. you can, I saw it. You can put it back down. Anybody else? Give you about three seconds. Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty. Thank you, bro. Anybody else? Make sure I see it. I'm so proud of you. Thanks for being honest. Thank you so much. I love real people. I love real people, man. Anybody else just want to be honest and say, that's me. It's time. About two seconds. One. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, right there in your seat. Right there in your seat. I'm going to lead you in prayer. You say, well, do I have to do anything? Do I have to give money? Do I have... No, no. Jesus gave it all. He gave it all. He paid the price. All we have to do is accept it. And so as you sit there with your head bowed and your eye closed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. And I want you to repeat it with me. I want you to remain it with all of your heart. In fact, I want the whole congregation to say it out loud. But those who lifted your hand, I want you to forget about anybody sitting next to you. And I want you to talk to your God. And I want you to let me guide you in how to talk to him. And just mean this with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come out loud. Jesus, today. I repent. I recognize I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned against you. But today, I ask you to forgive me. In front of all these people, I declare Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.